ओम स्थापकाय धर्मस्वरूपिणे अवतार वरिष्ठा रामकृष्णा ते नम वसुदेवसुत कंसचानूरमर्दनम वंदे so in the last class we were studying the 18th sloka of the second chapter of Srimad Bhagavad Gita. Antavanta ime deha nityas yokta sharirinaha anashina prameyasya tasmat yudhyasya bharata. So, we, fi- we found that Krishna is gradually trying to bring the awareness of the spiritual dimension of our existence in Arjuna's mind so that by relating to that broadened perspective, he can build upon strength and get rid of all the feeble-heartedness. And as a Kshatriya, as he is, supposed to do as per his duty is concerned to take part in the righteous war. So we find that it is almost like the sports psychologist trying to, uh, you will find that giving him strong and positive suggestions and visualizations. That's what we use even in the modern time that it's not our skills alone which speaks of our excellence in our performance. Psychology plays a great role. And for that, we find that nowadays, along with the coach, in all the sports, in all the games, we find there are some sports psychologists. Their work is parallel to the coach. They are there to help the players, the athletes, with the help of strong and positive suggestions and visualizations to over help them to overcome fears and teach mental skills for enhanced performance. We can find that here Krishna is not provoking Arjuna for taking part in the war. It's not a provocation. Arjuna by his birth is a Kshatriya. As per his duty is concerned, he is supposed to take part in righteous war. But the circumstance is such, his opponents are his own relative, his own kith and kin. And to kill them, the idea to kill them was draining him. He was 
totally getting disheartened, depressed. And that's the situation where Krishna was not provoking. Many say that Gita is provocation for war. It's not a provocation. It's Arjuna's duty as a warrior. If he was of some other profession and he was depressed, Krishna, instead of saying that take part in the war, he would have just asked him to resort to the profession in which he was entitled for, whatever it may be. Sometimes a doctor may feel disheartened, may get depressed by the situation. And then he would have to actually, the Krishna in that case will say, don't be disheartened. Don't have the fear that you are, uh, you may be worrying that you may not perform the operation, the surgery on the near and dear one properly. Forget about all the worries which may happen because of the outcomes. Focus on the performance. And for that, you need some strong and positive suggestions. In that case, most probably Krishna would have told him to how to perform that surgery in a proper way. So as per your profession, whatever you are doing, to do it in a proper way, it needs some psychological orientation, especially in the situation where we are in crisis. And Krishna is just doing that. It's not a provocation for war. He is a warrior and he is here to take part in a righteous war for which we find Arjuna to, has got totally drained out, disheartened by seeing his near and dear ones, his kith and kin as the opponent. And now he needs some positive suggestions. So what Krishna is saying? So after trying to broaden his perspective by saying that Antavan, this body will fall off, but the Shariri, the one who resides is the indweller of the body. The from whom, as if the body has came out, the soul is the witness. And the thing which transmigrated, trans, the thing which transmigrates is the subtle body, which mainly constitutes of the mind. We have an idea that mind is produced by the body, but it is just the opposite. It is a mind which produces body. It is a mind which is transmigrating. Just the way our nails grow, we pair off the nail, again the nail grows. It's from the body, the nail grows. Similarly, all these physical bodies like nails are growing from the sukshma sharira, the mind. It grows, it has to be paired off, another body comes up. So, that's the shari, that's the shariri is actually the sukshma sharira upahita chaitanya. It's not the soul alone. The soul which is transmigrating with the, its association with the sukshma sharira. So that's not going to die. They're still continue, going to continue as the soul, as the soul associated with the subtle body their individuality still pertains to them. 
anashina aprameyasya and that's the thing which in the last class we were discussing is aprameya in this world everything you can doubt but you cannot doubt your amness when i see i know i am seeing when i hear i know i am hearing when i think when i think i know i am thinking i am not sure whether anyone knows that way as we were giving the example that there may be a sophisticated robot which appears exactly as a sentient being and in that robot that self reflective awareness is not there it might be working perfectly as per the stimuli it has been programmed to respond just like human being and it appears like a human being and in that case if a real organic creature is sitting by his side i may doubt which is sentient which is insentient so in this world i can doubt the sentiency of all the beings but can i doubt the sentiency of my own being it is swata pramana i know i see i know i hear i know that it is i who am touching all the five senses i know that i am act that there is some self reflective awareness that's the thing which is swata siddha i know i am thinking i know i am feeling i am not sure about anyone else so i am experiencing that that is the thing which is aprameya in the last class we were discussing we are fully sure about it convinced about it no one can make me doubt about its existence but at the same time i cannot explain it that it is experienced but it cannot be explained it is experienceable but you cannot explain it you cannot measure it and that is the thing which the scripture asserts is not something which has evolved at the time of of birth that self reflective awareness and it is going to end at the time of your death so here comes the scripture to give us that assertion that antavanta imedeha this will fall off but that self reflective awareness that is going to be with you it's not no one can take away that from you it was it is it will be it is anashina there is no destruction for it so now in this war just thinking that you are going to kill your relatives your seniors your kith and kin you are getting disheartened know it for certain no one is as such going to be annihilated therefore take part in this war get up so here as we were saying that it is a way of uh giving positive strong suggestions by enabling arjuna to relate to the spiritual dimension of his existence so that he can broaden his perspective from the narrow groove of physical existence which at last is going to end up in a blind alley with all our progress with all our enjoyments 
a time is bound to come we have to know that it that life has started taking away nature has started taking away what it has gave given me in bounty my health my wealth my youth everything has to come in a blind alley what i thought to be a destination cannot be a destination but if i can change my perspective then i will find it is just a journey it's not the end it is just the journey in a particular phase but i can broaden my perspective and start building up my spiritual life based on that perspective and there i find the fear has gone the sense of this lightheartedness has gone life has started reflecting a new meaning life i find which appeared to be meaningless now i find there is a purpose it's an education as swami vivekananda used to say that we will do a big mistake if we take this world as a pleasure ground it is not a pleasure ground it is a place where we have came to educate ourselves it is a place like a gymnasium where we have came to make ourselves strong and this strength is not the physical strength the spiritual strength the more and more we can get aligned to the spiritual dimension of our existence and can detach ourselves from our psychophysical existence the more we become sthira dhira these are the words the scriptures use equipoised calm you can face the challenges of life with equanimity knowing very well nothing can destroy you nothing can destroy my near and dear ones what i have to do let me do sometimes sacrifice is necessary to get established in truth in this world we will many will ask the question that if god wants righteousness then why there is so much of killing why there is so much of violence disparity evil in the world you know that what in this life if the lord wills to realize his own greatness through the human kind then why such evil that we say god has made the human to find his own to see himself as if to see himself in the human being alone it is possible when your chitta becomes clear it becomes like a mirror the lord as if can realize his own majesty as swami vivekananda used to say i can see everything but i cannot see my own face i need a mirror the lord to realize his own greatness has created this creation and at last the human has evolved through whom he can realize his own majesty if that's the truth then why so much of evil you know to get anything perfect there has to be a very lot of near miss even you know when there is a uh, this um, shooting competition is going on no one can score 10 out of 10 it's very difficult there will be so many near miss and at last you find that with 
so many attempts at least at last one or two goes to the perfection and this is the law of the entire nature you will find we say that life is an accident if life was something which was the law of nature we would have found life in so many planets till now we couldn't find scientists are in desperate search they are almost convinced there must be life but till now they couldn't find it's a singular affair here and with that's why many say it's an accident most probably the integration is not there we can see it in a different way that to bring out life is needs such a perfection there has to be various near miss to give an example in this world you will find that nature is abandoned it wastes a lot to really produce something just take any tree how much waste it will be means so many fruits will be rotten so many fruits are gone i am not speaking of the present horticulture if you just go to the nature have been picked by birds at last you will find that the entire tree only a few fruits at last have really ripened which you can pluck and you can enjoy its taste others have been wasted some has got rotten some never ripened at all so what it speaks in that abundance to get the perfection is something very difficult many has to go west so that at last a few may realize the potentiality which it is supposed to manifest everywhere any tree how many seeds are produced how many of them germinate a few a very a few so in the entire universe most probably that we can take it in a that way that it is the seeds which has been thrown out life has sprouted only on this earth it doesn't speak that it's an accident it's a attempt in which all were near miss and this came to the perfection in the human life also any small child we ask do you want to be good everyone wants to be good you want to be perfect no one say i want to be bad then why there is so much evil that though our goal is good the inner divinity is wanting to manifest but many many of us are taking near miss even the one who is violent fanatically violent you ask him he is convinced that what he is doing is right what is happening that it is all near miss trying to that the uh, inner core never says i am doing bad i am doing right i am good i am righteous that goal is to be righteous to be good but to reach there is need so much of perfection that there are lot of near miss and out of that a few may reach that perfection and through that lord enjoys his splendor it's a not question of sadistic attitude because it is he who has become the universe as someone asked sri ramakrishna that why there is so much of suffering ramakrishna immediately replied it's all god's leela his divine play and immediately the man resorted it is his leela but we are all dying here and immediately ramakrishna replied very nicely who are you it is everything everything is he 
the question of sadistic attitude comes when i am making others suffer but when i have become many what is the question of sadistic attitude i still remember in our ramakrishna mission schools residential schools i was there for a long time to look after the students as it is a residential school you need to be always uh, supervising on the students now during the study hours it's very interesting if you go you will find in all the rooms the students are studying silently if you just walk down the corridor you will have an impression oh so nice boys so attentively studying that's what the impression i also had now suddenly one day it struck me that i saw a few boys just looking at the book but they are supposed to read the book but i found they are constantly turning the page and writing something again they are turning the page and writing something and immediately i doubted if they are taking notes then why are turning the page maybe from the book they are turning then they are supposed to focus on the page itself why they are constantly turning and conspicuously i went behind the the student the student who was just taking notes by so called taking notes by turning the pages again and again and then i was really surprised <clears throat> i found the name of all it's not the notes which is taking is the name of all the cricket players of the indian team and most probably the australian team and <clears throat> very interesting if you turn the page <clears throat> the facing the page uh, uh, which you are looking at will have all the even numbers it may either be the number may say say it's a, you turn it's page 10 so it ends with zero again you turn the page which is in your hand that is all odd the which is flat that is even so it may be either zero or two the last digit has to be either zero or two or four or six or eight there is only this five options there cannot be any other option when you turn the page the page which is flat and if it's all even if it is a even number then it has to be 0 2 4 6 very interesting thing i saw what he is doing is turning the page the indian this all indian players and the australian players names are there and as if the indian player is batting the australians are fielding and if he turns the page and sees zero that zero means out the batsman is out two means the last uh, digit is two means he that batsman has scored the doubles if it is four he has scored a boundary if it is six it is over boundary and eight there cannot be eight that means one so he has got almost all the scores one two boundary over boundary zero means out so some bowler is bowling six balls for that he is getting the scores and that way he is playing cricket and when i interrogated i came to know about the entire game it is called book cricket very interesting though i scolded the student but that idea which reflected is that it is all god's leela they are the boy is the god he has he is 
he has become the indian team he has become the australian team all the players it is he who has become it is he who is playing someone is winning someone is losing who is winning who is losing it is he alone who is playing so now i understood that the word this that we say that we are suffering god has given us the sense of individuality why in the words of ramakrishna lila pushtai very interesting word to nourish the lila if the players have that individual feeling though it is you but still you can somehow instill that individual feeling the game becomes more interesting so that's why in the very colloquial language of uh, ramakrishna that this sense of separateness separateness he has created because lila pushtai hoyna still he went to a more colloquial language ragor hoyna so you cannot have the fun out of that game unless that sense of separateness is there but at last one team will win it is he only and to win that one that's the the joy which comes out of winning that also he will enjoy but after it is all he so that's the idea you will find that after all the divine has become so many beings the essence is the same the atman the atman is not the doer god is the doer he is just playing through all of us many are uh, what you say that lost in the battle many are killed but nothing is lost it is he only who has become everything and why he is doing all those things at last to enjoy his own splendor in which those who somehow can realize it is god who is playing through us and instead of having the idea of doership don't get identified with the ego or with the body and just take part in the game as nimitta as an instrument of the divine for them only the idea of the doer that falls off and that can enable them to get always be established in their spiritual dimension being detached from the psychophysical existence though they are in it they are in no way soaked by it drenched by it just like a lotus leaf is in the water but the, it cannot be drenched by the water you will find the women they this this water you pour in the lotus leaf it will just form droplets and fall off it cannot drench so that's the idea which for which krishna is instructing arjuna in the idea in the knowledge of this brahma vidya so now you will find this idea is being reinstated even in the succeeding slokas in the 19th sloka let us proceed what is saying here we find that our identity with our ego with our body both is being denied ya enam vetti hantaram yaschainam manyate hatam ubhautauna vijanito nayam hanti nahanyate he who looks upon the self as the slayer as the killer as the one who is slain 
So here, what it is denying? When I say I am the killer, it is the ego who is saying. The agent of killing is the ego, the I consciousness. It is not the self. The self, when gets reflected on the psychophysical existence, from that the asmita generates. The self which is non-local, when it reflects in the psychophysical existence, the reflection becomes local. Just the way the sun, when it reflects on the waves of the ocean, the one sun becomes many. Each and every wave appears to be having the sun as its reflection. And you now take these as the individuality. All these waves with the reflected sun is the individuality. The wave has emerged at a certain point of time. It will again submerge along with the ocean. And the reflection is also gone. And if I take the reflection, the ego, as the reflection is the ego, to be the truth, then of course, that one wave is actually succumbed by another wave. So the bigger wave is a killer. The smaller wave is something which is killed. But actually, it is only one sun. It's reflected as the ego. So the agent of killing is that ego. The sun is in no way taking part in all the waves which are uh, one wave succumbing other and then at last merging in these. The sun is not in any way affected. It is only the reflections which are being affected. So the agent of killing is the ego. It's not the self. The object of killing is the body. The self is always there, unaffected. As Sri Ramakrishna in his own unique way used to, through example, used to explain this idea. That is the same sunlight in which one person is reading the scripture. Another person is counterfeiting the currency notes. Is it the fault of the sun or is it the merit of the sun? The sun is sun. It is beyond merit, beyond any fault, beyond any sin. It is giving light. What I do with it is my ego, which makes it either good or bad. So it is the agent of the killing is the ego. It is not the self. The self cannot kill. It is always transcending all the actions, so-called as such. And the object which is killed is the body. Constantly in this life, what we are doing, we are identifying our amnes either with the ego or with the body. And that's why we say, I have done such that the doer, I am the doer and I'm the experiencer. Karta bhokta. Here karta, the one who is a killer is the karta. And one who is experiencing the act of killing, the one who is being killed, is the bhokta. So self is neither the karta nor the bhokta, neither the doer nor the enjoyer. So this ego, when it gets identified with the mind and the senses and the body, then it can, then this phenomenal being is kills another body. The real self is detached witness. So this is a thing which speaks of the be-all and end-all of our spiritual uh, evolution. 
the how to get more and more identified with the self. And when Swami Vivekananda was in the West, he used to say interesting thing that you say that the so-called the Indians, the Hindus are very meek, bit cowardly. But courage has its own way of expression. Yes, it is of course courageous to face the battlefield, to face the war. I can sacrifice my life for a good cause. That's of course speak of courage. And you, he was speaking to the Westerners and he told you the Westerners relate courage to that. But what about the courage of a man who have understood that he is the Atman, is the self, nothing can annihilate him and can practice total non-resistance even at the point of death, but at the same time not wavering from the truth. It also speaks of a tremendous courage where apparently it appears he is not resisting, but what a tremendous courage it needs to be asserting to your real reality and say, and just allow the body to fall off. And Sri Swami Vivekananda used to relate this nice story while uh, asserting this type of courage, the spiritual courage. It's actually a fact. Uh, the exact date and location is not known that there was a uh, saint, a sage who used to stay in the forest. And it was on the bank of the river. On one side, it was the forest. On the other side, there was the village. And in the forest, this sage would be loudly chanting constantly, Soham, Soham. I am that, I am that. The villagers could hear that. They could, they uh, most probably, the most of the time, they couldn't see him. Sometimes he was visible when he came for Viksha to the other shore. But most of the time he was in the forest, but his chanting could be heard. So, um, so, um. one day he was caught by the lion and the villagers knew he was caught by the lion. How? Because they couldn't see, but they found that his voice is fading and it is going to a distance. They understood he has been caught by a predator, most probably lion or tiger. The voice is fading as if going to a distance, but that Soham chant is continuing. It never stopped till his death. At last it stopped. Most probably he was killed. And then this chanting also stopped till his death. Nothing could wave him away, swaver him from the conviction that he is the self. This speaks of that spiritual courage. So this in no way is less to, in no way to be uh, not uh, less appreciated than, this, than one who can give his life in the battlefield. Most probably it is more courageous because we find that Alexander after winning the world with all his courage, at last he's saying, what's there? Death is waiting for me. If I knew how to be unperturbed by the fact of life called death, that would have been the real knowledge. And he's saying this because he was already had an inkling of that idea because his march stopped 
by coming to India, if you know, read the history. And there he find that when he was uh, this, his, in his march to conquer the entire world, he came to the sh shores of the Sindhu. And then he got the, an exposure to this holy culture, the idea of the self. And there he, he's commenting that what's the use in winning over the entire world unless I have won over myself. That's what Alexander is saying. And this courage he also felt is greater than the courage just like winning a petty war. And that's the thing which is being indicated in this sloka. That if you think you are the killer or if you think you are being killed, you have missed the point. The Atman can neither be the killer nor be the killer. He's transcends both. And to be established in that needs that courage, the spiritual courage. And that's the idea which is being still more expounded in the next sloka, the 20th sloka. In this sloka, it will not only say that you are something which cannot be killed, you cannot be the agent or you cannot be destroyed. It says that even that any existence we find goes through six type of changes. Shara Vikara. This all the six changes is denied in this 20th sloka. Let us read that and we'll try to understand what it says. Najayate Mriyate Vakadajit Nayang Bhutva Bhavita Vanabhuyaha Ajo Nityaha Shashvato Yang Purano Nahanyate Hanyamani Sharire Najayate the soul is neither born, mriyate, nor does it die. Kadachit, ever, as such ever through eternity, it never happens that it was born or it is going to die. Nayang bhutva bhavita vanabhuya. And once it comes in, as if it comes to existence at a certain point of time, exists for a certain point of time, and then ceases to exist. It starts existing, being born, and ceases to exist a being after some time. That also is not truth. Nayang bhutva bhavita vanabhuya. Nor does it start ex existing after being born, nor does it cease to exist. So that's the idea. Nayang bhutva bhavita vanabhuya. Ajo nitya. Ajo means the jo. Even in, even in English, the word Joe, you'll find is very common. The one who is born is the, from Jayate, the word Joe came. Ajo means unborn. The one who is never born. Why is never born? Because he was always is. The thing which was not existent, that can take birth, which is always existent. There's no question of birth. So he's Ajo, beyond birth. There's no birth for him. Nityaha. He is eternal. Shashwato yang Purana. Shashwata. His eternal speaks of agelessness. From the past, there is no where that you can just say that from the such and such time he started existing. And Shashwata speaks is no time that is going to be annihilated. That his existence is going to be terminated. So this speaks of the future existence. Nitya speaks of the past existence. Ajo speaks of the 
what you say the existence which is beyond birth which transcends in this world whenever the question of existence comes it comes with the idea of birth at certain point of time it must have been born that idea of birth is not there it is in that eternal amness eternal now eternal present that eternal present is understood by the word purana the sanskrit word purana is very interesting pura api navaiva is purana that ever aging never old it is always in that eternal present which speaks of this six types of transformation is being denied what are the six transformations nahanyate hanyamana sharire that this body may fall off but that doesn't die so here are the six type of transformations which we speak again and again shadow vikara of any existence is being denied for the self what are the six transformations jayate asti vardhate viparinamate apakshiyate nasti that in this world whatever we see first it is born it exists for certain time and as long as it exists it first it's grows vardhate and then it starts transforming viparinamate and then apakshiyate gradually it starts decaying at last nas this viparinamate and then apakshiyate nasti at last it's no more there it has died so this six changes is being denied in this loka how this na jayate mriyate va kadachit it denies birth and death this jayate and nasti this is denied by na jayate mriyate va kadachit nayang bhutva bhavita va na bhuye that of it takes birth and exists for certain time so this denies the asti that it exists only for time no that also it it is always eternal so asti jayate asti is denied by the second line nayang bhutva bhavita va na bhuye ajo nitya ajo is the reinstatement of the fact that it is neither born the other three nitya shashvata purana speaks of the other three characteristics nitya this nitya speaks uh, of eternity speaks of there is no growth in it it is as it is shashvata there is no decay it is not going to decay and purana speaks of there is no transformation so this vardhate viparinamate apakshiyate these three are denied by saying nitya shashvata purana so it is beyond all these six changes so so again we will find here the smriti is reflecting the shruti it is again a shloka which is almost the same of the kathopanishad the 18th shloka 18th mantra of the second chapter of the first part of kathopanishad the same shloka is there najayate mriyate va vipaschinnayam little difference kutaschinna babuha kaschit ajo nitya shashvata huyang purana nahanyate hanyamane sharire almost the same when the meaning is exactly the same so when we when we find that krishna now the question comes krishna is saying arjuna that as you are the self 
and as others are the self, there is no harm in killing. As if that being that uh, that it is uh, that being the self, the atma, as atma is not the doer, that gives us the license to kill as if. So here again, to content such view, we have to I have to understand it. That's why we say don't take only one sloka. You have to study the entire scripture to really relate one idea with the other. You will find that in the 17th sloka of the same Bhagavad Gita, the 18th chapter, the 17th sloka of the 18th chapter, there it has been indicated that though the self is not the killer, but the thing is, have you got read of the idea of doer? If not, it is not the action. It is a wrong notion behind the action that actually in lasers in sin. If I could have killed the entire world without the idea of that I am killing, here again, bhaver ghare jano churi na hoy. I may just, what you say, profess. I may just make a propaganda. I have no attachment. But just go within. Do you really have that sense of detachment? And if you kill the entire world, no sin is going to inherit on you. Inherit on you. You are not going to be the inheritor of any sin. What's the sloka? Yasya nahang krito bhava. Buddhir yasya nalipyate. It is the 17th sloka of the 18th chapter. We will come in middle boat with the discussion. Hattva picha iman loka. If you ask in the entire world, hanti nanibadhyate that he is not bound by his action. If that ahankrita bhava was not there, na ahankrita bhava. There is a difference between aham and ahankrita bhava. Aham is the self. Ahankrita bhava is the notion that I, the self, this body and mind is the self. And once you have that notion, you have that identification, you become the doer. If you really can feel that you are not the doer, nothing adheres to you. The, all the entire theory of karma, you know, is not based on the action. What is the psychology behind the action? I will just give an example here. If you have read Edgar Casey, he was uh, one who is known as a, uh, the sleeping couch prophet. He, from his birth, developed a characteristic who he was from a, the Christian background. He had no idea of the Hindu religion and idea of reincarnation. But he used to have readings of others. And that's reading speak of that past birth. In such and such birth, he did such and such thing for which he uh, has reaped such and such result. And that's why he's experiencing such and such suffering in this life. And sometimes it has been even found in the recorded history. Suppose he's saying that he was born just 50 years. He was born in another body 50 years back. His name was such and such. He stayed in such and such place. Very interestingly, many such cases could have been verified by the council records. Really, it has been found. It's a, there's a huge foundation, Edgar Casey Foundation, which has made the study of reincarnation uh, very interesting. It has given it a very strong, uh, what a footing foundation. Now, the studies of 
Edgar cases are very interesting. It takes us to the specific way how karma works. Now, one person was born blind. And he found out in the previous birth, he belonged to a sect who is to a tribe who will attack other tribes and take them as captives. And they were very cruel. After taking them to the captives, they will cut their eye, eyes and make them blind. And he was the one who was doing that. And in this birth, he himself has become blind because he himself was psychologically affected while cutting the eyes constantly. He himself, his own psychic psyche was affected by it. And that makes him blind in the next birth. How you will find that even in the present day, modern day, this study of reincarnation, not as a religion, as a science, it has been found that very interesting cases. If someone has died in because of killing, the wound mark uh, which resulted in the killing has been found in the new birth. It affects the psychology in such a strongly that its imprint is found even in the next birth. To give a more convincing example, a, in, in the, it's one of the Edgar Cayce study that a person who was having a very weak stomach, was dyspeptic, he read, he, his past bath readings showed that he was a glutton. And the reason he's giving this evil film is very convincing that suppose you're traveling by a train. In India, it's very common. And in one station, the train stops and most probably you uh, purchase some food or, and you're about to take the food and a beggar comes and stands on the window and asks for the food. If you have ever been in such a situation, you will find it is invariably the exp experiences. Your hunger is gone. I was about to eat. Someone asked for food and your hunger is gone. That I am going to feed myself and someone is there who is hungry, it psychologically affects so strongly for the time being the hunger is gone. The so-called glutton, because was probably a rich person in the previous life, maybe a landlord where all the, his so-called the uh, villagers, the other villagers were poor. They had no, not sufficient uh, sustenance for food and he was enjoying. This was subtly affecting his psyche, which made him dyspeptic in the next, next birth. Just the way we lose our hunger when we are about to take food and someone asks for the food. It affects us psychologically in such a strong way that our hunger is gone. And if the hunger is gone permanently, that speaks of our weak stomach. That you are all the, what's the hunger? Hunger means all the hormones, digestive hormones have started secreting. So when your hunger is not there, the secretion has stopped. So its chronic state is your dyspeptic. So this was has psychologically hammered him so much that in the next part he's becoming dyspeptic. So it is not the action. What's your mental condition because of that action? That enters in the result in action. So it is a na, it is not this, uh, there is aham krita bhava. The idea that I am the doer, that really 
affects us. If you can go beyond that, then even by killing, nothing happens to you. You may say it's something dangerous. But the interesting thing is, God has built in the conscience in us. If someone says, I, I feel nothing, I just kill. Know it for certain, it is impossible. That's why even you will find that when a capital punishment is given to someone who has to be hanged, you will find always a face mask they have to wear. You know why? Because they know the one who is going to hang him, seeing the facial expression of that person who will be hanged, he is going to be affected. To mask that expression, he is masked. What it speaks of, we are bound to get, that our conscience is built in such a way, to get affected. It is I who am killing, he is suffering. Then how, then here he is saying that you get established in the self and go beyond the idea of killing. It is something, yes, that is possible if you can get established in that idea. How is it possible? In the Bhagavad Gita, you will find that again, let us relate to that idea that here perfection, which God wants to see through his creation is needs such a tremendous perfection. There are innumerable near miss attempts. All these, those who are in the opponent side are the near miss. Their evil in the eyes of the God is just near miss. They are not as such incarnate of evil. They are not something who has born from Satan, who is separate from God. The same gods I uh, attempt to reach that perfection as a near miss. And they have to be annihilated. And for that, he needs an instrument. That's why we find in the God's plan, the evil forces never win at last. Though they may be prevailing for some time, but they never are there to win at last. Throughout the history you will study, evil do prevail, but at last, if the evil really prevailed, by this time the creation would haven't been there. At last, the good wins. That's the plan. Because constant attain for perfection brings out the force of the good to somehow shadow off, to shadow, to overwhelm the evil. And that's what in the Gita, God himself says that I incarnate again and again as that good force, as incarnation to save the good ones and to annihilate the evil ones. Paritranaya sadhunam vinashaya chidushkritam dharma sangsthapanarthaya sambhavami yuge yuge. And for that, for that purpose, he do need instruments. If I can think myself to be the nimitta, the instrument of God's will, Atman is in no way instrumental. The essence of my being, just the electricity finds expression in various ways. It may find expression as the revolving fan, as the light, as the sound in the microphone, which is been amplified. The same electricity is finding expression. The same Atman in one way is finding expression as God, in another way is finding expression as the beings. The God is the one who is using the current. The others are used, others are the thing that he is using and others are what? They, how the God has decided how they will be used. They're finding expression in various ways. And if you know that fact, that it is that as current, we are all, we are one with God. The same. 
And now some is finding expression in an evil way. Some is finding an expression as a good way. But the, the current is as such, not the instrument. The one who is deciding that how at last the good should prevail and the evil should be annihilated. It is a his will. I am just, this body-mind complex is just working under his will. It is not the essence of my being who is doing it. One who knows that for certain and can become the nimitra, for him alone, the nahankrita bhava can go off. I am the doer, can go off. When I can, when I'm sure of the fact, it is a God who is working through this psychophysical existence. Atman, who is the spectator behind it, is in no way affected by it. So it is the, that's why as we proceed in the Bhagavad Gita, that's why again in the very inception we told, the Bhagavad Gita is very difficult to understand if we don't take the Bhagavad Gita as a whole. In the, what do you say, the, the seventh, eighth, and the, uh, the other chapters we will find after explaining that we are the self, then God will say that para and apara, both are mine. Anything which is finding expression as the conscious principle, that also is me. And this inanimate universe, that also is me. He is the one who is working through both of them. So it is he who is the doer, not the Atman, the Ishwara. And if we know that I am the Nimitta, he is just the way he's pulling the strings, I am working. Then that Ahankrita Bhava is bound to fall off. And then your actions are not going to affect you. Here in this sloka, you can still understand better if you just see the Arjuna's initial motivation. He had the idea that he is the, the most capable warrior of his time. He's confident of killing his enemies and establishing a kingdom where after uh, defeating the enemies, he is going to rule over the world along with his brothers the Pandavas, here everything was linked with the idea I, I, I. So with that idea, even if he wins, he is going to incur the results of the actions. He will be, of course, enjoying the kingdom. And of course, that killing will, is also is going to affect him, if not immediately, maybe later. So here what God is saying that you, you have to do the same thing, but not with the idea with which you came to the battlefield. With the idea with which you came to the battlefield, that because of the present crisis has created a tremendous imbalance in you. Use it as a positive, uh, positive outcome by helping you to relate to the spiritual dimension of existence and which will change your orientation. It's not for your personal benefit. It's not just to enjoy the kingdom. It's not just as a Kshatriya to take part in a righteous war, but as an instrument of the divine in establishing religion, I am being used by the divine where my ego is in no way coming to the picture. Then nothing touches you. You are beyond that. So just see this to relate to the slokas of Bhagavad Gita. Sometimes it becomes very difficult. If you go to the pure Advaita, you will say there is no need for the war. Let me go to the 
peak of the Himalayas and meditate if I am the self. Then how again and again, after speaking of the self, Krishna is speaking, go for the, come for the war. Because you get purify yourself, detach yourself, and then you know that who is the actual string puller behind your actions and resign to that and allow the one who is pulling the strings to do his uh, actions as per his will through me. I'm just the pain. The author is writing the book. Pain has no credit for that. Arjun is just the pain. He shouldn't be identified with it. If once he thinks it's I who am writing, then all the question of sin and uh, merits come. If he's not, God is doing his work through us. Nothing affects us. And once we know that, that's the cleansing process. It cleanses our soul. In spite of all our actions, it cleanses our soul and helps us to get established in our spiritual identity. So that's the idea, profound idea in the Bhagavad Gita, which we will understand more and more clearly as we proceed through the various chapters of Bhagavad Gita. So with this, we stop our discussion today. We'll continue with the study of Bhagavad Gita again in the next class, the next Sunday. Thank you all. Namaskar.